All righty, hello and welcome to episode number 48 of the audio podcast Whoa. with Alex and Jason Von Cannell. Obviously, it's been a big week. Uh, I'll let you start off, mate. How's things? Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I am going to make a bold statement. Okay. And that's that people who work at Genius Bars deserve Nobel Peace Prizes. So people who work at Apple Genius Bars yes. deserve Nobel Peace Prizes. Yes. All right, here we go. Explain. I spent 45 minutes on the phone with mum and dad last night right. trying to set them up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it was the most aggravating thing in my life. In my life. Right. To the point where... So I tried to FaceTime dad. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so I've got you now. Now just turn... The, like push the two arrows, like the rotating arrows, so that the camera's going the other way so I can see the screen on your iPad. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he goes, there's no button for that. I said, no, no, there is a button for that. He goes, no, no. So he goes, I'll push the button. So what he kept pushing was the only button that's on an iPhone, which is the home button. Right. Well, the home button doesn't do that, does it? <laughs> so when I say, like, tap my, okay, tap my face, and when you tap my face, four buttons will come up. Can you see those buttons on the screen? Mm-hmm. No, nah, that doesn't happen. Like, this doesn't have it. Like, no, it does have it. I know it has it. I know it has it. It'll have a hang-up button. It'll have a uh, mute button. It'll have a rotate camera button. And it'll have a camera off button. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know, I know that that's what it's got. Right. So just tap the face. So when I finally, finally, finally <laughs> got that, he's blown up about his iPad. My iPad doesn't work. It does all this crazy stuff. And, and I said, have you checked if it needs an update? Yes. Okay, show me the screen. He flips it around. He's showing me the 10% of the left-hand side of the screen. Like, okay, I need to see a little bit more than that. (laughs) So then I said, see that big, bright, red thing Mm. over settings? And he goes, it doesn't say settings. I said, see the bottom right, see the the grey button that says settings? No, I don't see it. I said, I can see it. (laughs) I can see it. It's it's on my screen, which is... Your screen, <laughs> okay, and it, it goes okay. Yeah, I found it. I said, "See how there's a big red thing there?" No, it's red. <laughs> Just click that. So it clicks that. A in fairness, Dad's colorblind. Okay. <laughs> so then, this is what negates that excuse. So he hands it off to Mum. Mum's a little bit better with computers. Yeah. Mum, Mum's got rest. No, nah, don't worry about it. I've been updating it. I said, Mum, I can see there's an update. <laughs> I can see there's an update. So you telling me that there is no update does not negate the fact that there is an update. <laughs> there is, in fact, an update. And I'm sure it's causing a lot of your problems because I know Apple's really susceptible. If you don't keep the latest software, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden it won't connect to your Bluetooth and you can't do all sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, just take a step back. So when so Dad logged into his... So he's got a passcode, like a, key, a passcode, right? Mm-hmm. So he passcodes into it. Then when I tried to get him to do the update thing, and he's pushing update, it's asked for the same passcode, and he goes, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I said, you do know what that is, you just did it. No, I didn't. I've never been here before. I've never, this is the first time I've ever seen this. I said, it's exactly the same as your, as your login thing. Just do the same thing again. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, you just did it five seconds ago. So, so hold, so this, when did this happen? Yesterday. Right. So, just so you guys are aware... We're filming this on Sunday because obviously lockdown mm. in Brisbane's over. 
So this happened yesterday. That's obviously the last day of lockdown. No one's left the house. Everyone's a little frustrated. Oh, dude. <laughs> so then, yeah, so then, but when mum gets on and she's like, oh, there's, you know, there's no, there's no update. There is an update. There is an update. Mm. I can see the update, do the update. Oh, no, I'll just do it later. No, no, no. Do it now. Mm. Like, do it now because you're not going to know how to get back here. You're not going to be able to figure it out. You, like, they're going to buy a new iPad. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. it Tasha's sitting on the couch laughing like like just giggling her ass off at how funny the whole thing is because I'm starting to get really aggravated <laughs> like really aggravated so I don't know if those genius guys are on Xanax or something they, they've got to be on something there's no way there's no way well obviously just better explaining it than you are because they're geniuses and you're not do you know that work? no but that makes it even worse if you're smarter then you're on an even higher level than the people that are uh, that your your customers. So, so do you think that the Apple genius is like a facetious Australian genius? <laughs> yeah, come and work here, genius. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. need someone on the same level as these guys using our products. Oh man, it is so hard. It's so hard. Apparently, the same thing happens. Um, Tasha's mum's phone. Every time, every time they boot the phone up, the, mm. all the icons are in different spots. And she goes, "I didn't do that." Well, you did. <laughs> You did do that. <laughs> so put in the comments if you've got any like um, old person tech stuff. <clears throat> um, I can tell you what mine is. So when uh, my least favorite old person tech thing I've ever had to do was explain Honda display audio sat nav systems oh. to retired people and tweet heads. So <clears throat> if a lot of people won't know this, but years ago, I'm thinking 2013, 2014, around there, uh, Honda was one of the first companies to come out with the like new age LED touchscreens that are pretty uh, commonplace today, which yeah. have things like CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they came out with their own one called Display Audio, and it, the whole point of it was to be adaptive to using apps. And instead of just having an in integrated sat-nav, which is easy to use, which that's already still a nightmare to explain yeah. to a, a, an older person how to use an integrated sat-nav. Uh, so instead of having that, they had this system where you had to have an app downloaded onto your phone, which then you plugged into the car, which then the screen was supposed to run the app. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But the thing is, the app didn't work initially, so then you had to download another app, which is like a bridging app, yeah. to sort of bridge the gap in uh, software between the car and your phone. Yeah. And was GAP spelled G-A-P-P? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was horrendous. And if any of you out there know, uh, have had one of those cars before, you'll know that that system was superseded extremely quickly. See, they should have just gone straight to CarPlay and Android Auto. Get rid of all of it. Get rid of all of it. I remember, uh, I remember, like, the amount of times I'd sell, like, really advanced cars with heaps and heaps and heaps of bits, mm. and they've got their kids hanging around them, and they just want the delivery to be over, and yeah. I've had them say, literally, don't show me the buttons, my kids will figure it out. Mm. <laughs> They'll show me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can, so the, the dichotomy of selling uh, the new Honda stuff, but also at the time selling Suzuki Altos. Mm. Suzuki Altos, best delivery. Has nothing. Ever. Yeah. Literally has nothing. You show them where the key is to start it, 
how the aircon works and the normal ducted, like old school aircon works. Yeah. And the last thing, which is a little bit unique, is you had to show them how to use the manual um, adjustments for the side mirrors. The mirrors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it. That's all that was in the car. Oh, and the radio. And the radio. So put put in the comments, like, what are your, what are your absolute technological frustrations? Because mm. I, I consider myself a tech-savvy guy. Mm-hmm. I consider myself okay, like moderate at like PC stuff. You yeah. know, I do have a friend that helps me out a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gives me a lot of help. But um, but from touch, app, all that kind of stuff, I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm pretty good at explaining stuff, but it's pretty hard when the person's saying, no, no, those buttons don't exist when I know that they do. <laughs> I know that they do. Okay, now, <clears throat> second thing, I had, a, I had a bit of an interesting... Interesting... Um, Discovery. Mm. So I consider myself a pretty avid investor. Right. So I, I've invested in, I've tried, I've tried everything. Mm. I've tried individual shares. Um, I've tried managed share funds. Property. I've tri- uh, property. I've tried, uh, uh, I've invested in other people's businesses. I've now invested in my own business. Crypto, the whole, like I've tried, if, if there is like an investment facility out there, I want to have a crack at it. Mm-hmm. And I'd been, the managed share funds don't work because mm-hmm. the managers aren't good enough to pa- make even, like to pay their fees. Yeah. So, and <clears throat> in a way, investing in individual stocks is basically gambling. Mm-hmm. But years and years and years and years and years and years ago, 2000, oh, I must have been 2014 or something, I went to work for a guy who, who dabbled in the stock market too. And he goes to me, hey, um, have you seen Hertz rental car shares? And I was like, oh, no, ha- having a look. And then I had a look and it was like, its whole life runs at $40 US a share. Right. It was $9. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, okay. That seems like a really, really good discount. He goes, yeah, I'm thinking about getting on it. He goes, do some research. So I go, I go do the research. I'm like, oh, they're about to basically go bankrupt. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's probably not a good sign, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he, he didn't he didn't buy them, mm-hmm. and they went back up to forty dollars. <laughs> you know? More more uh, anti financial advice going yeah. at you. I've got many of these. I've got many of these. I've got many of these. So, but um, uh, what's the saying? Um, fool me once, shame on you. Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, when I saw it drop to a dollar forty, I'm like, yeah, I'm on that. So I just put a thousand dollars on. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was, a year ago, 18 months or something like that. Anyway, they went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Like, and I did the, the master stroke in terms of what investors do is you, you put your money down first and then you start in researching <laughs> yeah. what had happened. And I was like, basically, the whole story was they, were way, they owed way too much on the stock that they already had, so they're way too highly leveraged as a company. Yeah. Then the pandy comes, no mm. one can rent cars, people are too scared to rent cars anymore. Yeah. You can't sell the cars. So remember, that at the very start of it, cars were worth nothing for a moment because yeah, no right. one knew if you are going to be able to finance them. Yep. No, like, no one wanted to drive anymore. Mm-hmm. No, there was so much uncertainty. So they, they filed for bankruptcy. Now, America's bankruptcy is very different to Australian bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. In America, you're allowed to still trade. Oh, okay. In America, you're even allowed to re-release, reissue shares. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, okay. I'm not against the still being allowed to trade thing. 
Because at the end of the day, if you can still trade to actually make some money to... Do you have to pay that back to your... Um, your I'm not 100% debtors? sure. I'm not 100% sure how that works. Because if, if you could, like, if, if you... Seems if like the system was, yeah, like, at least the people who you owe money to have a chance of getting some yeah. money back rather than getting nothing and just having to write it off. So yeah. if that's the way it works, although being America is probably just like, no, I'm bankrupt now, I'm going to keep trading as normal, I just don't owe you any money Yeah, anymore. I owe these new guys money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I also noticed that, so my, my shares, I bought them at $1.40. Mm-hmm. I think they went down to like 80 cents US or something. And I was like, okay, just wait, just wait. Mm-hmm. Then this notice comes out that says something had changed. And I didn't read it. I was, I, was in a, I was in a rush. I didn't read it. Not surprised. And turns out they've just they reissued different shares. Mm-hmm. So I log back into my, my like trading platform. Nothing there. Mm-hmm. Zero. Hertz, zero. I'm like, okay, there we go. Just lost a grand. Mm-hmm. And then just forgot about it. And I've joked about, because people are going like, oh, you know, how's your crypto going? Or how's your, are you, are you in shares? And I'm like, my shares are just nothing. Like, they've gone to zero. They've gone to nothing. I don't, like, I hated them. I was so bitter mm-hmm. and burnt. But my parents gave me a tip yesterday, and they wanted me to, to check up on it. So I'm, I'm sort of having a look around, and I log back into my my, th- my trading account, which I haven't done for like 12 months. Mm-hmm. And there they are, the new ones, HDZGQ. Were you guys on FaceTime and they were telling you how to do it? Normal phone, on the wireless. (laughs) So, the original stock ticker was HTZ, Mm -hmm. but this new one was HDZGQ. Right. And it was there. Right. Same amount of shares? I think it was more. My platform sucks. I can't see when I originally bought them. Like, it, and it's really unclear. Okay. I thought I bought a hundred... I bet you it's there. Oh, Call me on FaceTime later and I'll show you where it is. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, Captain Tech over here still running the first original Xbox. Oh, I've just got a really good functioning share portfolio on the phone. So. <laughs> and on my tip. Um, so I go to account. Is it $8? Yeah. Per share. Per share. Mm-hmm. So it's worth like four grand US. <laughs> And then I and then I did a research. Yeah. On Wednesday they got out of bankruptcy. Yeah right. So, and so now I'm going to write it because well America's opening up now too right yeah. so surely it'll well, get I back mean, to forty bucks. Sorry I say opening up they've been opened up for a while. Oh state by state. State by state. State but, by state. But obviously it hurts would be in all the states that are opening up too right so yeah yeah so you do I mean. More, more non-financial advice from the audio podcast. You would assume that... Uh, Do you know another time that, that I... would start going better. Cost, like... <clears throat> so a great tip is if I tell you to do something, don't do it. Yeah. Or if I tell you not to do something, do it. So when I was working at Volkswagen, one of the guys goes, Hey, Afterpay. Mm. Afterpay's $8 mm-hmm. a share. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but they've got a Senate inquiry on Thursday. Like, I was pretty engaged in that thing. I was like, yeah, they've got a Senate inquiry on Thursday. We don't know... Where, where the Senate's going to come, like, where it's going to end, you know, it could be really bad, and he goes, yeah, you're right, I'll, I'll stay off it. What's it now? Uh, it's now where I bought them at, which is $119 a share. Yeah, $119, that was at $8. <laughs> another mate, another mate, uh, he wanted to, get, he got on, on him at $12, and I was like, oh, mate, 
like they're only eight dollars not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then he he so he bought at twelve, got so stressed because it took a bit of a bit of a dive, mm-hmm. made a small loss, and now he would have ten times his money. Yeah, and see <clears throat> the tough thing about the whole uh, afterpay thing. So when I invested in afterpay was earlier this year after they had just excuse me, dived back from their peak, which was $160 share. Mm. And I was sort of looking at it as a bit of a, like a, a, a short-term win. Because I thought, buy them at 120 bucks, they go back up to 160 I only bought like five shares or something yeah. like that. So if it goes up to 160 I make 40 bucks a share and I keep on rolling. And I, I'll probably take that money and just reinvest it in, in VAS, in yeah. the ETF. And my, my thought process behind it bouncing back was obviously with... Uh, the stresses from uh, like financial stresses from the pandemic, but also with uh, things like the rent relief, mortgage relief, that all going out the window. I thought people might use the product more, and therefore they might be looking for ways of financing other than things like credit cards and stuff mm. like that. Because uh, the whole point of afterpay is that as long as you make your payments, you don't pay any interest mm. uh, or any fees. So that that's a positive thing. And so for me. Two reasons I invested. Number one, I saw a profit opportunity. Number two, I actually believe in that financial product more than I believe in credit cards. For sure. So for sure. I, I sort of, in, in a way, it's kind of trying to show support for a company. And I'm like, I back you guys. I want you guys to win. Mm. And I want credit cards at 20% interest to fuck off. Yeah. Because the amount of people that get themselves into trouble from, from do, using yeah. those things. Um, and well, then, that Senate hearing, that Senate hearing that happened on Thursday, I think he asked me on the Monday or the Tuesday, mm. on Thursday... Was great. <laughs> they yeah. said they, they basically said to to, to uh, coincide with what you just mentioned, their uh, average debt was six hundred dollars mm-hmm. per person, whereas a credit card's average debt in Australia is three thousand. Yeah, and the delinquency rate of a credit card is thirteen percent on average. Mm-hmm. People that delinquencies of people that can't make the payments mm-hmm. uh, is three percent for afterpay. Yeah. So the Senate inquiry is like, oh, it's actually teaching better, better financial habits. Yeah, and you just got to think about it from a, a perspective of what are the minimum required payments. So with afterpay, you pay it off in four payments, mm. and the minimum repayment is twenty five percent of what you owe. Mm. With a credit card, the minimum repayment is three percent of your of your, uh, your balance owing, mm. because that's the interest fee mm. typically. Yeah, as long as they get their money. So their minimum repayment, if as long as you pay the minimum, you'll never get out of debt. Yeah. That's the problem with credit cards. Yeah. Is they just want you on the the three percent minimum, and you just keep paying for nothing. Yeah. And they still email you offering you extensions to your debt. As well. Not anymore. Oh, they don't. No, 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 no. But I took every single one when the times were good. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. So look, after pay, then it uh, after I bought it, it the. This is something I don't know about, and uh, you might know a lot more about it than I do, but one of the other reasons why I bought them is because they, in my belief, they had died from 160 down to 120 because they had to raise like one, I think I've spoken about it on the pod before, but they had to raise like $1.25 billion in capital to be able to get into the American market. So my thought was people were taking profits while they were high. Mm. Because you have this massive capital, uh, and obviously it's a big risk when you spend that kind of money too. And then I thought, maybe 
by going into the American market, the actual share price will shoot even higher because you're exposing yourself to one of the big, largest markets, like economy economies in the world. And it just didn't happen. They went back the other way. So I think at one point they got down like $78 a share. You've just explained it without realising why. It has nothing, share price has nothing to do with the performance of the yeah, company. Yeah, this is what I was going to get to. It has nothing to do with it. A, when a, when a company does really, really well, often the price goes down. It goes down, that's right. When it goes really bad, it goes up. And what, it, what tends to happen is there's, the idea of shares, like if you're, if you're a day trader or something, is to buy it low and sell it high, yeah. right? Make a profit in between. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the aim of the game. So what I find is a lot of people, when they see bad news, automatically think, okay, I'm going to get on that because that's going to be at a discounted price, mm. whatever that price may be. Mm-hmm. Whether it is high or low, they just tend to buy it. Yeah. And when good news comes out, they, they think, yeah, time to take profits. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's also that thing, like you've said before, of uh, the difference between profit and pre-profit. So if you, <laughs> if you report profit as a business, people look at that and they go, well, that's probably your ceiling. It's not getting any better than this. Yeah. But afterpays never turn a profit. They've lost money every single year and they continue to expand. And in, in an investor's mind, that pre-profit uh, area, there's a lot more upside to it because they go... It's unlimited. Yeah, as soon as they start actually turning a profit, the, the actual profit, uh, uh, their ability to create profit could be exponential. Yeah. Because we don't know. We don't know. But because, they keep expanding. Because they're running at a loss. Yeah. Genius. It's, oh, it's, it's so interesting, yeah. isn't it? So now the the this is not a tip, but this is what I'll be looking at on Tuesday. So they're on a trading halt at the moment. Afterpay. No, 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 no. The new tip. That I'm looking oh, at, okay, yeah, yeah. Which is a nickel company mm-hmm. in Australia called Poseidon. Right. Yeah, their stock tick is POS. Piece of shit. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think it closed at eleven cents on. Opened at, opened at 7, I think they've just found some nickel. Okay. So, they've opened at 7 cents. It's currently at 11 cents on a trading halt. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get on that on Tuesday. I, can, I don't think anyone should do that. No. POS.ASX. Definitely don't. I might. It, if, depending on where Afterpay sits back when you can trade it again, if I can get out of them for what they owe me, I might Why? switch over. Why? Because I'd rather sell my five shares at $120 a share and invest that into this nickel thing at $0.11 cents a share with the... Because it's a pre-profit. That's a gambling sentiment. <clears throat> 100%. Though I think Afterpay's got some legs in the long term. Yeah, I... It could potentially be one of the largest financial companies in the world. It, it, was, it was one of the biggest in Australia mm. in two years. So, because you've said that, I'm going to sell my Afterpay <laughs> shares and I'm going to buy into Poseidon. You can sell them to me <laughs> off-market at a discount. No. Um, <laughs> I do find it interesting, too, that a, a company named itself after the king of the sea that digs underground. <laughs> they might dig in the ocean. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, speaking of the ocean, how's that fire in the Gulf of Mexico? Oh, where it looks like Ragnarok's beginning. I've seen that. <clears throat> Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, so an oil pipeline has burst underwater and is there's like an, an underwater fire which literally looks like the gates of hell are opening up in the sea. It's amazing to see. And they've got see. ships around there hosing it. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not, there's not enough, enough water. There's not enough water. It's in the ocean. The fire is under the water. Yeah, it's crazy footage. It is an insane, insane thing. Yeah, so whatever faith you're from, repent, do whatever you're supposed to do. Because oh, yeah, yeah. the, the rapture is coming. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah no, that is, that, is, uh, <clears throat> that is wild. Someone had said, uh, I saw some guy go, oh, you know, this has never happened to solar or something like that but i think it just happens in much smaller like it's distributed fire well where does solar come from a giant fire in the sky <laughs> it's been happening to solar since before time so your solution is to face solar panels at the at the gates of hell yeah well isn't that what was it event right no doom it's the story of doom it's isn't argent it? energy argent energy um uh, the world decides that it's going to it's found this untapped resource of power. Mm-hmm. Problem is, I've got to go through a portal to hell to yeah. get it. And looks like we're harvesting souls as we speak. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, <coughs> in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm. So, so do you think the hole goes the whole way through? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, it could do. Has, has anyone checked the other side? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we get can we get some boots on the ground? To has check? anyone checked the other side of the disc? Check the check, check, check the other side of the globe um, from the Gulf of Mexico. Please, please, if we can just confirm that. Yeah, there needs to be an investigation. There needs to be an Look investigation. Do your own research. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of super geeky things, and this is going to be something that uh, means absolutely nothing to you and absolutely nothing to anyone who's watched, but... Uh, I think I told you about six months ago I started playing uh, Diablo 2, which mm. is a game that I devoted many, many hours of my life to when I was in high school. <clears throat> and I'm doing a thing called the Holy Grail, which is just trying to find every unique item in the game. Yeah. And it's a very uh, simple process of you, you kill the main bosses because they drop the best stuff, and it's a random generator... Uh, when you kill them every single time, so you just got to do it over and over again. So the whole point is you try to power up your characters to get as strong as they possibly can and do it as fast as you possibly can because then you get more drops and then it sort of adds up. And this week, so during lockdown, because obviously we haven't been able to leave the house, mm. uh, I've been able to actually pick it up a little bit more and play a little bit more. And <clears throat> there's a thing in the game called Rune Words. So one of the drops you can get is you can drop runes. And there's like, I don't know, 30 different runes and they're all different levels, so therefore different drop chances. So the low level runes drop all the time, the high level, super rare. And I managed to find the runes, which you need high level ones, to make a rune world called Enigma, Mm. which essentially is the best armor in the game because it gives you a plus one to teleport skill on any character that you use. So the whole thing with... They call it magic farming when you're trying to find oh the unique stuff. That's so lame. Yep. Uh, the whole point of it is you want to be able to get to the bosses quickly. So usually the sorceress is the best option because she's going to want to teleport, but she's super weak. So once you can actually get to them, it's hard to actually kill the bosses. Whereas you could use a paladin, which is a stronger character, better survivability, more damage. And now I've got the teleport skill on him because of the armor. So now I can teleport them way faster. And literally, as soon as I got Enigma, I started just knocking all of these items off my list. So that's a, a pretty big deal for any D2 fans out there, which I know there's absolutely zero of you watching because it's a 20-year-old game. Yeah. Uh, but that happened this week, and I'm, I'm very happy about it. <laughs> well, I cracked open a little bit of um, iRacing over the weekend, and I was testing my new gaming setup um, using these 
using these boards and I've actually just modified it a little bit to make it a bit more sturdy and I did a, my first track race mm -hmm. and it was nearly faultless. I had one big snap over steer where I actually moved the, the steering wheel moved to my hand. Mm -hmm. uh, just don't snap over steer. Like just if I learn to drive smoother, which helps my race craft, mm -hmm. that's actually a good thing. It's almost, it's almost like a good training tool for uh, race car drivers. Mm -hmm. And I thought because I, <laughs> I tried some more of those unranked, unranked races, oh, yeah. just absolute carnage again. And uh, uh, I thought, okay, I'll go to the ranked ones where the players a little bit better. Mm. They're not much better. <laughs> well, that was D class oh, because I, I didn't feel I didn't feel good enough to go into like a C or a B class race. So yeah. I did a D class race. They suck too. Is the game able to ascertain, like, if someone just takes you out, just straight up crashes into you, is the game able to ascertain that that wasn't your fault? Yeah, so you get, well, no. But if you do something real gnarly, people can get, like, put in, an, like, an investigation, and you can get banned from the game. Right. So it's not like Forza or something. If you just bomb dive someone, mm. someone complains, and they'll, they can watch the footage, watch you do it, mm -hmm. and you're done. And and there's there's people that get banned for certain yeah, right. set period of time. How do you get a job on the tribunal? Good question. Mm. Good question. It is a pretty cool company. So they because they laser build the tracks. So which means they that they have a team of people that physically go to the track, mm. lay all these um, tripods around with this laser technology. So if there was a rock that was on the track when when they built it, mm. it'll be in the game. Yeah, okay. It's really amazing. Was 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 I racing the game that they originally created to have like a race series which could then get you into the V8 Supercards? Was that I racing? Uh, I, well, I think Gran Turismo was the one that... So there's a Turismo Academy okay. that is a PlayStation-based one mm -hmm. and it, the same sort of thing. Uh, years ago, three amateur drivers that came up through the Gran Turismo Academy won the Bathurst Tour about. Yeah. They yeah. they uh, they only led one lap, which was the last The last lap, one. Yeah, the, one the that only counts. one that matters. Yeah, which is which is amazing. I remember reading an article years and years ago. They got the guy that won the iRacing Championship one or two years in a row. Mm -hmm. And they put him in a like a formula car. When I say formula, it's like an open wheel, single seat race car mm -hmm. at Road Atlanta in, in America to see how he went. And um, after he'd spewed in his helmet, <laughs> he actually set a time that would have got him like on the front row. Yeah, wow. So the skills are absolutely transferable mm. uh, across. And uh, like F1 drivers, they have simulator. Uh, the, the F1 drivers tend not to use the simulator that much, although Lewis Hamilton, because he got whipped on last week. The Sappen one, didn't he? Yeah, the Sappen yeah. one. He went on the the simulators to try and find some more time okay. and they just did qualifying last night at the exact same track again mm -hmm. and um is that because of COVID restrictions they can't move around that much they to fit the required amount of races they have had to do a double header in yeah, Austria okay. yeah and Hamilton's like fourth starting fourth which mm -hmm. I don't think he's ever done in the hybrid era which is insane and young so Verstappen on pole mm -hmm. again Lando Norris, the 21-year-old in a McLaren who does not deserve to be that high up, second. Hmm. Uh, Perez, which is Max's teammates, third. Then Hamilton and, hmm. and, and Bottas. So. I, I actually think that um, 
in F1. That's really interesting to me. So I'm not a big racing fan, uh, but I am. This is the first time, at least that I've ever seen, where they've doubled up race after race mm. on the same track. I want to see if they find any more time. Yeah. So it's really interesting because we look at F1, we go, these are the pinnacle, these are the best drivers on the planet. We'll give them two cracks, win two weeks at the same track. Let's see if they can find some more time. I, I just I find well, that as an backwards. experiment itself. Yeah. Interesting. So it looks the way it looks is that Mercedes has made some changes to their cars that made them slower in qualifying. Now, they could be more set up for race pace. Yeah. So they talk about Saturdays is a qualifying day and Sunday is a race day. Sometimes you might set your car up pure... Like at Monaco, you set your car up for Saturday Yeah. because you once you get to Sunday, no one can pass you because yeah, it's too right. narrow. So you want to be on pole because then you'll just sit there for the rest of yeah. the race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but some, some tracks which have heaps and heaps of passing, you might want to set your car up for Sunday and sacrifice a bit of Saturday pace. Mm-hmm. But it was a pretty exciting um, uh, quality. I, watched the, I only watched the highlights this morning because I had to race here, but... Um, George Russell's in the second Souls car on the track. So he's the one, he's the one that when Hamilton got the Rona, got to sit, race his car. Right. Led the race, mm. got a puncture, had to come in, led the race again, had a problem with the car, had to pit the car. Yeah. So he's a young protege, he's, I think he's 23 or something like that. Which the pit crew had to stuff his car up. Yeah. Because they made Lewis look really bad. Yeah. Um, he... He's in a, a back-running car, mm-hmm. but they call him Mr. Saturday because he's really, really good at qualifying. And okay. there's three three levels of qualifying, so out of the 20 drivers, only the first 15 make it into Q2, mm-hmm. and then only the top 10 make it to Q3. Mm-hmm. So for Williams to get into the Q2 is an amazing effort. Mm-hmm. This is the first time he got into Q3. Not only did he get into Q3, he's starting ninth. So it's not even like he just... Just scraped yeah, in by skip his teeth. Yeah, he beat someone. He in Q3. beat someone in Q three. So that's an amazing, amazing, amazing um, thing for them, and amazing for Lando. Lando Norris's teammates, Danny Ricciardo, our favourite, fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can't get this car to work. Yeah. Okay. And young Lando's just ripping it up, and he's funny too. Mm. He goes, um, so Max Verstappen. This is kind of Max's home race. It's in Austria, mm. which is I don't. It has, must have a large Dutch population, right? Because Max Verstappen is Dutch. And they wear all these orange, McLaren's orange. So Lando goes, you know, it's great to see all the McLaren fans here. Not Max fans, like yeah. McLaren fans. Like, he's just, he's just a... Yeah, okay. He's just a cool cat. Here's a question for you. A, a psychological question about F1. Because mm. Daniel Ricciardo, I, I find where he's at very interesting. How old is he now? Would be 30, wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh, he just had a birthday. Yeah. Thir- uh, about 30? Maybe just over. Yeah. <clears throat> so, one of the hallmarks of Ricciardo, at least early on in his career was, to me, he was one of the best racers. He was very mm. good at passing people. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, and this is the thought that's literally just popped into my mind. Is the reason why a lot of these young guys, is the reason why they overachieve because their frontal cortex hasn't fully developed until they're 25, so they actually know less fear than the other drivers, which maybe means that they make riskier moves, so you got to risk it for the biscuit, right? Like, I can still remember being 17, 18, just getting my license and driving like an absolute maniac mm. and thinking it was normal. And I wonder if that transfers to that top level. It's the same, but a little bit different. So what I would say is that being younger means that you grow up and are consumed by the latest versions of the tyres, the engines, the okay. 
So Ricardo stopped, for example, Ricardo started Formula One during the V8 era. Yeah. So he's raced the V8s and then moved to the turbo hybrid era. Mm-hmm. Is very different. Lando Norris only knows yeah, turbo yeah. hybrid. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, I've made a mind race motorbikes professionally. And he said these young guys that are coming through, the tyre technology is what's changed so much. Right. So whereas when he when he grew up, the tyres sucked. So you had to, you know, you you, you um, the way that you rode the bike is very different to now where you've seen ca- crashes where they've dropped, they've low-sided the bike, so it's sliding on its, on its side, mm-hmm. and they can, like, put the tyre back on the road and pick it back up, like, mm-hmm. pick it back up again at speed because the tyres grip so much. Yep. He said back, back when he was young... You couldn't do that. If you're yeah. down, you're down. Whereas these guys know that there's a high limit, and uh, a high limit, a threshold, and they're just used to it. Yeah. And they're just used to it, and they just live there all the time. Yeah. So there is a bit of that. But I would say, to Lando's credit, he doesn't really make mistakes. Right. And one of the, the criticisms that they had was that he was not aggressive enough. Right. Okay. So he would start. He would almost be intimidated by the people that are around him. Because mm. so that, that's that's the big thing, right? You've you've got Fernando Alonso behind you, two-time mm. world champion, aggressive. Uh, uh, Latin uh, fiery mm. uh, winner behind you. How does that? How does that play into your mentality? Play yeah. into your mentality. Yeah, um, you see that a lot in. Uh, I see. I see that a lot in MMA when you have a young up and comer who's got all the promise in the world yet matched up against a legend, and it's like they just respect them that little bit yeah. too much. Yeah, and they That's don't the have the like they could probably steamroll these guys a lot of the time, but they don't because it's that extra split second of indecision because it, it, in a way I mean you know what it's like you, you grow up with idols imagine having to fight someone that you respect yeah you know you'd, I don't want to punch you in the face I don't want to hurt you yeah. like you're you're the man yeah you know? and in that negative self talk I shouldn't be here this yeah. guy's so much better than me yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't deserve That's, it I find that psychological stuff really interesting yeah and it definitely plays out in um, in Formula 1 and like you'll notice and Formula 1's got the biggest egos on the planet too yeah and well, the mind it, games and the... This is what was interesting. I was, I was listening to some of the, post, uh, the post-race the post interviews and a couple of the guys, a couple of the, the teams were separated. In a perfect world, you'd see Red Bull, Red Bull, Mercedes, Mercedes, McLaren, McLaren, yeah. Ferrari, Ferrari, like, like that because the cars are basically the same yeah. in the team and the drivers, if the, the drivers are so good that they are at the limit of what the car can do, mm. that's where they should stack up. Yeah. But there's quite a few split ones. Okay. And they're talking to the drivers, and like the Lando-Daniel one's a big one, second to 14. 14, that's a massive difference. So the commentator goes to Daniel, well, would you, will you speak to Lando about some advice on how to... How Get to, the most out of the car. Yeah, and he goes, drivers don't talk like that. Yeah. Like, it's they'll, go to these, competitive. they'll go to these briefings... And um, and not tell certain information because they need to keep it for them. Mm. And that's just that competitive yeah. that competitive edge you have. It's team sport, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting. Which is really interesting. Mm. But so, uh, going back to that respect of the old dog thing, uh, there was there was a couple cases where let's say Hamilton's made a mistake or something. Mm-hmm. So on track. He's now fourteenth, but he's working his way through the field. Mm. People will yield for him quicker, mm. and it's like, well, because they're used to him lapping them. Yeah, yeah. Because he's so good, they see this black car coming behind. They're they're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll let him in front. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it it took a couple of races and realized, no, 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 we're on the same lap. Yeah, we're yeah. we're vying for the same position now. So wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't bully it. Yeah, that's and cool. Lewis just signed for another two years too, which I was surprised by. Yeah, it is surprising. 
because he's not leading this championship mm. this year. This year, it this year it, it would be his eighth championship win, which make him the greatest of all time. Right, so he's chasing that. Okay, that's not surprising then. Yeah, I'd be chasing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it becomes that thing of you know, father time. Like father time claims everyone, but he can do it, man. He's driving better now than he's ever driven. Mm. So, so why isn't he leaving this year? My theory is that Mercedes is putting all their development into next year's car under new regulations, okay. just like they did before the turbo hybrid era. Right. They they literally canned, like they tanked two years of racing yeah, yeah. prior to the new regs. That would make sense if Lewis is signed back on again with them too. Yeah, yeah. So I, think, I know we've got this coming next year, so let's just focus on that. I think if anything, they've divested out of mm. uh, this year yeah. and will let this one half tank because they want to be dominant in the next year. Mm. Whereas, yeah. whereas Red Bull's probably spent a little bit more money on this year. And I, I want to say, leading this year? is the staff leading? Staffen's leading. Oh, okay. So, from a Honda guy, right? Um, last last week, Honda won as a manufacturer. Honda won Formula One because they they are Honda power units mm-hmm. in the Formula One car. MotoGP, mm-hmm. uh, Marquez won a won a race after coming back from injury, and they won the uh, IndyCar race as well. Mm-hmm. And Honda's leaving Formula One. Yeah. I don't know what's happening with that company, mm. to be honest. Because, like, obviously with the changes that we've already been through about what they're doing in Australia, to me that signals a, a uh, slowing of their business model. And, mm. a, and a, like, I, I've always found, obviously, business is very interesting because it's all based around exponential growth. And... Obviously, at some point in time, you'd assume that that's got to stop. Mm. And I feel like the decisions Honda's made as just a base level vehicle manufacturer in regards to Australia indicates that they're like, okay, like we got to slow down a little bit, which in a way I think is actually a really mature company yeah. decision mm. because I, I think it's a very hard decision for a company to make because for some people it looks like you're just throwing in the white flag and yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're quitting. But I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's like they understand that we're a very small but ultra-competitive market in Australia. So why would you invest all of this money in retooling cars for like uh, our roads and driving on the left-hand side of the road when you could save all of that money and just focus on other markets overseas? And also the sheer cost of having to send cars over here and mm. maintain a dealer network and all that sort of stuff when you've only got 25 million people. I think it's a really mature decision. And I, I wonder if they, because of, you know, obviously, I think, I, I don't know how their business is going globally, but I would assume that during the pandemic they took a hit as well. Like, did they make the decision to get out of F1 pre-pandemic or post-pandemic? I think it was on the cards. Right. I think it was on the cards pre. And maybe it just tipped them over. But yeah. I, I can't help but feel like maybe it's a mature decision. So I'm I'm all for the... Because I'm, I'm a capitalist. Yeah. Go for the, uh, go for the growth. Mm-hmm. I would probably say that Japanese business, mm-hmm. uh, their weight, they, they need to... They need to um, move with the times a bit more. Yeah. I've read a couple things lately that talks about how some traditional Japanese um, traditions are costing them in big business. Because, right. like, think about in the in the 80s and 90s that they dominated the tech world. Mm-hmm. You go back there now... And cars, too. Yeah. They're not now. Mm. They've not innovated. Yeah. 
they have not innovated for a generation, basically. Yeah. And I, I follow a import page, and they're talking about how for those auctions, you know, they used to be they used to be known because they could put a car through and it could be sold in thirty seconds. And yeah. But they said that now is slower than what any other digital marketplace does. Mm. Like you could do that on a mobile phone app. Yeah. Yeah. Yet they've still got all that old infrastructure. They're still. Li- living off that mm. and they really need to update because they're in a bit of trouble they, they, they've they got a very aging population mm. they're a welfare state where they're like and the problem is that there's not enough being uh, produced to start to pay off like they're going to get to a tipping point where the welfare will outweigh what the GDP what, what, yeah, yeah. what the GDP is and in my view they need to innovate their way out of it just like what we do, like that, the conversation I had with you about our budget, mm. you know, the, the government announced the budget, and I hated both of them. Yeah. Because in in my in my mind, the best way out of debt, the best way out of the best way out of a poor standard of living, and I'm not saying we have a poor standard of living, but mm. it can always be better, is innovation. Mm. And if we innovate our way out of it, and if we promote innovation. We could we could tick all those boxes. Yeah, well, like you, look, I mean, what supports your argument is, you know, they released those forward estimates a week ago to uh, twenty sixty, and it looks like our budget's going to be in deficit until twenty sixty. Yeah. So and if you had innovation, that's that's going to obviously be a massive difference in the budget in the long term. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting with Japan because I've got a whole host of other issues that are contributing to it as well right like the as a as a population they are an extremely hard working but also an extremely isolated Mm. sort of population so i know that they've got you know high suicide numbers very high um i think that i've seen stories over you know the last few months and years about uh yeah how how younger people just aren't they're not connecting. They're not, they're not creating out. families. Yeah. They're not, and look that that. They don't want to date. Yeah, and though those like, I guess you could say traditional values of, uh, you know, meet meet a partner, buy a house, have a family seem to be going out the window all, all across the world. Would that be fair to say? Like, there's a lot of countries, like even in Australia, like you know, people these days often aren't getting married. They're not having kids. Like we have an aging population as well. Um, I I think that that's happening across the world, but I think that Japan's such a such an interesting example of it because they've got such a small country, such a high population. Is it seventy million people mm, or something in like Japan, that. which is aging? So, yeah, it, it's. I think you're right. I think there might be a a lot of pain in the coming decades for that country. Yeah, I feel like they just need to. They need to get rid of some of the bureaucracy. They've mm. got they've got a lot of traditional bureaucracy. 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 That, that's sounding really wrong. Yeah. Uh, that they need to get rid of in this modern modern day time, and they just need to go back to you did it. Before, you've done it before. Yeah. How can you replicate without doing the same thing again? How can you replicate the new? How can you pave a new way? Because I think, like us, we have. I reckon one of the the, the biggest things that we have in Australia is smarts. Mm. I think we've got a lot of smart people here, but I don't think we utilise it. Yeah. I don't think we have a... I don't, I don't think we're very pro-innovation. I think we're very pro-intelligence. I don't think, like... I, I I don't like the idea that Afterpay has to go to America to make all their money. 
But that's just reality. It's just market size. For sure. But let's well, maybe use that as an example of, okay, this is a hotbed for great ideas. Mm-hmm. How do you help harness those great ideas? That would be my political strategy is 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 I want to I want to create an environment uh, whether it be tech or in, I don't want to use the word tech but innovation mm. I want to innovate our way out and I want to promote thinking that creates innovation yeah. I want to have industries that we don't know about yet mm. in as opposed to trying to drag old industries trying yeah. to prop up old industries Let's 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 do it here because we have the smarts here. We just need to utilize it. Yeah. So I want to find there's there's obviously got to be some solutions there. Yeah, I, I, I want to find an independent. So who's going to get? I don't know when the next election is. But next I'll, year. I'll so I'll so I'll so shitty at both parties, both main parties' budgets. Mm. That lacked any sort of, to me, any sort of forward thought. Yeah. Um. At least there's something in there about video games. Yeah, the, the video game one yeah. was all right. Esports is gonna is gonna be huge. So um, I know we we've we've not mentioned it yet, but uh, obviously we we had the lockdown this week, and there was the announcement of the four phase plan out of COVID. Yeah. Which as soon as I saw it, it completely lines up with what you said about the government playing both sides. Did you I, notice that? You, no, no, I thought the opposite. But you tell me yours. Well. The, 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 so four phase plan, and we're in phase one at the moment, and phase one is where we need to suppress the virus and get everyone vaccinated. And we are, uh, so we're, you've got to move through the steps and the trigger to move through to the next step is a vaccina- vaccination rate, mm. which is... Oh, that didn't say? Which I haven't said. Yeah, okay, okay. So in other words, it's exactly like what you said. Yeah. Looks like we're going in in the right direction of everyone has to get vaccinated. We can only proceed to the next level if the vaccination threshold hits a certain percentage, of which we have not divulged, (laughs) of which will be a scientific number, not a political number. And as someone who has been in sales for a long, long time, whenever someone goes, I'm not lying to you, it usually means it's followed by a lie. So when they have to actually say it'll be a scientific number, but not a political number... Of course it's going to be a political number. Because at the end of the day, if they come out and they say, all right, it's got to be a 90% vaccination rate, the whole of Australia's going to go, no, eh, we're never going to get there. So we're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And a similar thing happened um, in America at the beginning of the vaccine rollout with, with Fauci. And Fauci went on multiple different um, news services. And everyone asked him, all right, so what's, what's the threshold for herd immunity? What is it? And it was like... Start off at like 65% and then it was 70%. And then as people went out and got vaccinated, he kept moving the goalposts higher and higher, mm. which is, that's sales, not science. Yeah, yeah. Right? A science person would go, this is the number. And if we can get to that number, we're there. A salesperson will start you low and then they'll just keep moving you up. Like, it's like a negotiation, right? Yeah. So I'm going to start at my number and I'm going to keep keep moving up towards... Look, what, look what happens to, um, to people that try to use the science and quote the science mm. like our Queensland. Yeah, we'll see that. That was very interesting that happened mm. this week because obviously there was a fairly public uh, discussion on our, our last week's podcast and YouTube comments 
And one of the things that I had, one of the things I mentioned was that it's really difficult to trust the science when um, the science constantly changes. And then literally the next day, you had the stoush between the PM saying, if you're under 40, go and talk to your GP and you can get AstraZeneca as long as you sign a waiver. Uh, and then you had the uh, Jeanette Young, the Dr. Jeanette Young, the Queensland Chief Health Officer, uh, who's in power until April next year, um, come out saying she doesn't want anyone under 40 getting AstraZeneca. She wants them to get Pfizer because it's the preferred uh, vaccine. And she literally said, I don't want an 18-year-old dying of blood clots from AstraZeneca who, if they got COVID, they probably wouldn't die. Yeah. So I, I thought about this during the week, and I wasn't actually going to bring it up, but, but we're here. And I thought of an analogy, and it's very interesting, because like you said, there's, there's science and, and well, sorry, like I said, there's science and then there's sales, right? And from a very early on period during this pandemic, we, were, we just had the message constantly ran down our throats of trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. And that, can, that was from the bat soup story to cover up the lab leak theory, which has been proven to be incorrect, mm. which you'll see the news has stopped talking about. Mm. We don't hear about that anymore. You had, hey, trust Dr. Fauci. He was on our TV almost every day, even in Australia. You don't see Fauci on TV anymore mm -hmm. because his emails got released, which showed that he was lying. Mm -hmm. uh, you've, you've had Bill Gates on TV almost every day. We don't see him anymore. They say it's because of the divorce between him and Melinda. But it just so happened that this he disappeared out of the news cycle just after he had that interview about um, vaccine patents and trying to protect the patents. Mm -hmm. So if you're pro-vaccination, which is perfectly fine, you should be very anti-Bill Gates because he's just tried to protect patents for companies to... Um, to protect profits. Mm -hmm. But I thought about this. Two key things for me are really, really interesting out of the entire pandemic. And they're two key figures. Number one is Dr. Robert Malone. So Dr. Robert Malone is the guy who created mRNA technology. Mm. And Dr. Robert Malone was on Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse podcast. Mm -hmm. And he was detailing the issues with the mRNA technology. And we're stating things along the lines of, we don't know how safe it is long-term. We don't know what the long-term effects are. The, he was explaining how there was a Japanese study on the Pfizer vaccine, which, which came out to the medical community, but not the public, which was showing that, so when you get a vaccine injected into your shoulder, it's supposed to stay in your shoulder. And your body can, can sense that it's in there. It creates the antibodies based on what's, what's yep. in there. And then obviously that's where your um, immune response comes from. The problem with these mRNA vaccines is they did this study in Japan which has shown that they're not staying localised in your shoulder, it's actually moving around your body. And in women, it's actually uh, moving a lot into their ovaries, mm. which can cause reproductive issues, right? So that particular video was one of the reasons why Brett Weinstein's uh, YouTube channel has now been completely demonetised mm -hmm. for spreading medical misinformation. Now you've got to think, this is the creator of the technology. Mm -hmm. The guy created the technology has said this may not be safe moving forwards. We need to do yep. more testing. Right? That's that's number one. Yeah. Number two, uh, I can't remember this guy's name off the top of my head. It's going to drive me mental. The guy who created the PCR test. Oh yeah, he's passed away. Right. So the guy who created the PCR test passed away in two thousand and nineteen, but there are videos of him speaking about it. Where, so PCR is not a yes you like yes you're positive or no you're not positive. PCR, the way it works, it's an amplification process. And they use a thing they call cycles. So essentially what you're doing is you are um, 
targeting like a specific, say, genomic sequence that you'd only find in COVID, for example. And what you're doing is every cycle, it amplifies that, like sort of doubles it. Mm. So cycle one, you're amplifying from one to two. Cycle two, two to four. Cycle three, four to eight. And so on and so forth. So it's exponentially amplifying um, this sequence that you're searching for. And the sweet spot based on the, the science of PCR is about 28 cycles. Mm. 28 cycles is where you see sort of peak load and whatever it is. But with PCR, it's not just you've got it or you don't. You also have to interpret the data. Mm. And what the inventor of PCR testing said was that if you, it is, you don't go over 35 cycles because it is extremely unlikely that you won't find at least one molecule of everything in a human being. That's what, that's what he said, that this, the PCR is so accurate that it could find anything. Like if... If, yeah. if, if you cycle it enough, you'll you, literally be able to find anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so he says not to go over 35. Now, I have read the document, and again, I can't remember the name of the document off the top of my head, but it's on the TJ website. I'll post a link for it in this week's um, uh, YouTube video. But I've read the document that the, uh, like it's on health.gov, sorry, which tells the medical community how to interpret these PCR tests. And it explicitly states in the document that in most cases, they use between 35 and 45 cycles. Yeah, and you sent me the, you sent me the document and the graph that's used as an example hmm. does not even go to 45. Yeah. The graph doesn't... That's right, it goes to 40. Yeah, it goes to 40. Yeah, but they use between 35 and 45 cycles. Yeah. So the inventor of the technology said don't go over 35 and our health system uses 35 to 45 cycles. Now, there's another part when it comes to the interpretation of these results, which is also in the same document, which is all based on... It's based on a probability of the population that you're testing. So what that means is, and the example they use is if you were testing people on a cruise ship who have a 50% chance of having the virus. So, because you're all isolated on a cruise ship, you've either got it or you don't. Yep. So if you've got a 50% probability of having it, and then you do the tests, uh, there's like a, I think the, the margin for error is like 0.05% or something like that. So what they were saying is that if you have 100 positive tests that come back from that, 99 of them will actually have the disease, but you'll have one false positive in that scenario. Right. If you and that's if you uh, sorry that's if you're testing symptomatic people on a cruise ship. Okay. If you were testing asymptomatic people, so people not showing symptoms, uh, in a let's say an exposure site, the probability goes well and truly the other way. Where if you have 100 tests come back positive, the actual likelihood that um, people actually have the disease out of that is about five of the people, four to five people will have the disease. And 95 people won't. 95 will be false positives. So that's where the interpretation of the data is so important when it comes to PCR. And that's why going over 35 cycles... The, the you're just going to guarantee yourself cycle. Uh, you're going to guarantee, guarantee cases, cases. But also, yeah, the higher cycles you go to, uh, the more margin for error you've got in your testing. Mm. So let me wrap this all up. So you've got two key figures. Guy who create, created mRNA technology. Guy who created PCR testing have publicly stated potential issues with it. Mm. So let me ask you this. If you were buying a car, because we've both been in car sales, mm. if you were going to buy a car and the manufacturer of the vehicle released a video on YouTube that said, hey, 
you probably shouldn't buy my car because there's a potential risk involved with buying it. Would you trust the manufacturer of the vehicle who's telling you not to buy the car they built? Or would you trust a salesperson trying to sell it to you? Yeah. Because at the moment, we're all trusting the salesperson. And this is really interesting because this happened very recently. In the motor industry, Takata Airbags. Takata. Takata Airbags. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I think it'd be Takata, wouldn't it? Takata. Takata. So Takata Airbags. So we had this in the motor industry recently where any vehicle that had a Takata or Takata airbag installed into it, you weren't allowed to sell that car mm. until that airbag got replaced because there was a minute chance that the airbags might go yeah. off and kill people. Yeah. And I how think three people in the world. So three people globally died from it, from it happening, um, and you've had to replace somewhere in the vicinity of 100 million airbags or something it, it, like that. It's changed the way that we, we sell cars. Like, yep. So every car that I in stock, I have to do an airbag check. Yep. Um, uh, it, it, and so at every dealership stage, that had, those checks have to be done. That's right. And we had all the processes in. You had to put the stickers on it saying it's been changed or needs changing or, or whatever. And the idea was the older airbags had to get changed first because they're the, they're the highest risk, right? Now, why is that different? So why was our response to Takata airbags different to our response to these guys saying, hey, there could be issues with the vaccines or there could be issues with the PCR testing? Liability. Mm. If, if a company, if we as a, a company sold a car that hadn't had its airbag replaced and that goes off, you, the company, could be physically liable for that. Yeah. So that's your doctor who's just been given an indemnity form. Yeah, it's a $1 million fine, too, for deals. That, yeah. yeah. The manufacturers could be held liable for yeah. it. So it's, this is also detailing the issue with when you hand liability out, oh, sorry, when you hand liability exemption out to people, mm. they don't have to do the right thing. Yeah. But we've literally had this scenario in the car industry. There was something which, again, was a minute chance that something could go wrong. But, like, Tucker went into bankruptcy. They're gone, yeah. They're gone. Yeah. Because they had to liquidate all of their money to, to fix this problem. Yeah. So, like I said, that's my key thing. So, anyone, any of you guys who are like, trust the science. Okay, I trust science, right? But I trust the people who created the product more than the salespeople trying to sell it to me. Well, yeah, I, I trust... The one thing I will say to that is the science does change. Yeah, well, yeah we've shown that it changes, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, whatever the science is today doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the, the, the science tomorrow. Yeah. And when you are looking at certain data sets, you can make the data work either way. Yeah. Either way. So, it's it's about how to, having to interpret the data. Like I said, you've got someone trying to sell to you, mm -hmm. you'll interpret the data differently. Yeah. And that's why, so to bring it back to where we started... I found it so interesting that our pathway out of COVID is to get the vaccination up to a threshold, which is to be determined. Yeah, 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 undisclosed. Yeah, undisclosed threshold. And everyone seems to be happy about it. Like, the, obviously, you've had the, the premiers all going at ScoMo. And look, quite rightfully so. Like, I, I think it was very clumsy of ScoMo to go out and say, hey, anyone who's under 40, go and talk to your GP. Actually, that's, that's one other thing that I want to mention as well. A lot of people are, are up in arms at the moment about the vaccination rate. So if you're pro-vaccine, that's perfectly fine. Go and get it. That's cool. We're still in phase 1B. Yep. So you've got the media constantly blasting us every day saying not enough people are vaccinated. We're still in phase 1B, which means only over 50s are actually eligible for it anyway. Yeah. 
So people under 50, the only reason why you're eligible, which is why ScoMo said go and talk to your GP, is because you actually have to have another risk factor that could make you potentially higher risk to die from COVID to even qualify to get vaccinated anyway. Yeah, but or, I think they are giving them out. Well, because I know a few people that, that have no, no issues, no anything, and they're and, still being able to go get it. Yeah, and that could be just a, a case of you go to a doctor and say, hey, I feel like I'm at high risk of getting it. Can you give me True. the jab? And I'm sure they'll give you the jab. Yeah. Same as if you go to a doctor and go, hey, I'm stressed out. They go, how many weeks do you need? Like, yeah. they write your medical certificate for it. So, um, yeah, bef- before people get up in arms about where the vaccine levels are at, it's still only over 50s that are technically eligible for mm. it now anyway. So this sort of mis-messaging is what's turning everyone against each other. And we've mentioned it this, that many times on, on the pod. Regardless of the topic matter, I know this is really, like, it is a supercharged for people because... Yep, it's polarising. It's polarising, that's the better word for it. Regardless of what side you're on, on this subject or many other subjects, the minute you discredit the other side by saying you're crazy or you're stupid or you're racist or whatever the buzz term is that you want to use... The, the communication breaks down. You should be talking to people on the other side of, mm. of the aisle. And, and like I said, public stouch in the comments last week was someone who was, has clearly got different views to me. And I welcome that. because yeah. And the fact that that person watches the podcast, which is obviously saying some things that he doesn't agree with, I think that's a very positive thing. Yeah. Like, we should be exposing ourselves to other We should sides. be having conversations, for sure. 100%. Because you don't want to become divided, you mm. want to come together and come to the, the right... And find the truth. And find, find the truth. And find the truth. Yeah. Exactly and, the, right. the, and time will tell what the, what the truth is. Time will tell, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually see what's happening. So that's enough about COVID talk. I want to mention one last thing. We need to be quick because I've got to go. Okay, one last thing is we've been bitching about 40 scores yeah. over the last few weeks uh, be, because of the, uh, the six again rule and all that sort of stuff. I just want to give you what the... First five games of this weekend scores have been. Yeah, okay. So, the two games on Friday night were unbelievable. They both were one-point games. One went to Golden Point. The other one uh, was won by field goal. I think it was the last two minutes or last minute of the game. Phenomenal games. Fantastic. Here are the other four games. So, Thursday night, Storm beat the Roosters 46-0. Now, the Roosters are a good squad too. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is last night's three games. Knights beat the Cowboys 38-0. Titans beat the Raiders 44-6. And Manly beat the Bulldogs 66-0. It's broken. Game's broken. Game's broken. Game's broken. Gotta fix it. And and the discussion has been around how do you fix the game? Because to me... Only head highs allowed. (laughs) Yeah. If you tackle below the shoulders, you're sent off. Yeah. So so you just need to get people with real strong necks. That's what you're looking for. And thicker heads. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... Game's broken. So, obviously, to me, it is the six-again rule which is causing the blowouts because, uh, like, the Manly game, I'm pretty sure in the first half of the Manly game, Manly had 90% possession. Because what was happening was, uh, they Bulldogs would kick off to Manly, they would run up, and there'd be a couple of six-again calls, so they just keep getting extra yeah. sets of sixes all the way up, and then Manly scores down the Bulldogs' end. So then what happens? You go straight back to the middle, Bulldogs kick the ball off to Manly, and the same thing happens again. And again, and again, and again. So this is a... Um, I want to know what you guys think about what would the solution for this be? Because there's two main ones that I've got in my head that I've, I've sort of thrown up to people, and I've had some various responses. Number one is change it so 
whoever scores then kicks the ball off to the other team. Yep. So at least the other team gets to touch the ball. <laughs> yep. Right? Um, oh, uh, my, shout out to Patrick, my mate. He sent me this a comment on Reddit the other day and it was like, um, this is my first game of NRL. When does the Orange team get to play? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's the first suggestion. The second suggestion is, uh, obviously fatigue is a massive factor in this because the team that is defending is just getting too tired to be able to do yep. anything. So do you increase the bench from four players to six players and do you increase the amount of total interchanges you can do from 10 to 15 to get more fresh players yep. on the field? So let us know in the comments what you think. Uh, or tap and go. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> anyway, let us know in the comments what you think. Thank you very much for joining us. Stay happy, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next video.